What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wipe That Smark Off Your Face, the pro wrestling theme podcast brought to you by the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. It's me. It's a J-M-I-E, your 32nd favorite podcast host. And as always, your Sherpa into the world of professional wrestling. Today's episode, we are doing the SummerSlam review. That's right. SummerSlam has happened. It's the second biggest pay-per-view of the year for the WWE, formerly the WWF, formerly the WWWF, and let's just get off the bat and say that this show kind of underdelivered. Previously, the night before was NXT Takeover Toronto, and the show honestly blew this one out of the water. But this being the second biggest event in WWE for the year, we decided we're going to review it and we're going to talk about some of the matches and some of the biggest things that happened coming out of it. We're not talking about the kickoff show. There were two matches on the kickoff show. There was the Cruiserweight Championship as Drew Gulak defeated Oni Larkin in what was actually a very good match. These two can really go. And they brought a lot of difference to the table with Gulak retaining over Oni Larkin. We also had a kickoff show of Buddy Murphy, the most underrated wrestler in WWE, the best kept secret as he calls himself, taking on Apollo Crews, who's another well-conditioned athlete. This ends in a disqualification. These two can go. They aren't given time to do anything, and it's it's really a shame. I don't know what's going on here. The, when you have talent after talent after talent, and they don't seem to want to be pushed, they don't want to push them. Guys, I don't I don't get what's going on either. Hopefully, uh, one or both of these guys get the push that they don't both deserve. Buddy Murphy puts on classics and is one of the wrestlers that can really get a good match out of anybody. So hopefully he gets a push that he has coming. Kicking off on the big show, we had the WWE Tag Team Women's Championship match with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, the champions, taking on the Iconics. Yes, I just paused and did their pose. Uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross retain. This match is what it is. Nikki Cross is a great hand. Um, and she has something special that I think that they could really capitalize on, and they're going somewhere with the Alexa Bliss storyline. Alexa Bliss is one of their top stars. She always, she has been, and she will continue to be for the time coming. The the story that they are weaving with these two being friends, and it seems like Alexa was using her, and then it seems like now they really are friends. There's going to be a turn, and I feel it's going to be Nikki Cross turning because they want to put Nikki as a as a heel. I don't understand why they they might not. Alexa seems like the more heelish, she works better as a heel, and Nikki being the underdog babyface trying to come up to get their come up, it's on somebody she thought was her friend. Good storyline. The Iconics, they're funny, they can work and they are, they can work a mic. Their ring skills aren't where some of the other women are yet, but I mean they're still fairly green, but they're funny. I enjoy their stick, always have enjoyed their stick since even their time in NXT. Their uh tag team championship run was kind of a joke. I mean, they were used as more of a comedic act than they were actually a serious tag team. When the women's tag team belts were made, we thought they were finally getting taken seriously with Bailey and Sasha being champions. Then when the Iconics won, they barely defended, and it just became really a joke. Um, I know that Vince doesn't isn't high on the women's tag team wrestling, so maybe that's part of it. Hopefully they change here because I think the Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, the championships actually add value to that storyline. And it's gonna be more of a it's gonna make mean more when one of them turns on the other one. Um Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss retain against the Iconics. 
Next up, we have the Raw Women's Championship submission match between Becky Lynch, the champion, and Natalya. Now, usually, Natalya is from the fabled Hart family. And in Canada, they're they're just gods, you know, especially in the world of pro wrestling. The Hart family is just always over in Canada. So going into this, it was going to be interesting to see how Becky, who has been one of the most over women they've had in the past few years, goes into Canada against, you know, the hometown hero and Natalia and how they were doing. They kind of seemed like they were pushing Becky kind of towards the heel role for Natty to be the babyface in this because I think they knew that they, going into it that Natty was going to be cheered. And honestly, it really didn't happen. Becky was heavily favored, and Natalia even was getting booed. And watching her when it happened, I think, I mean, she came out with the Canadian flag, and this is her home. And I know people were cheering her, but you could tell that there was an audible size number of boos happening to Natalia. And even the look on her face, I think it hurt her. I really did think that it hurt her to know that she's put all this time and effort into this, and she has tried everything and to go to Canada where the hearts are loved and she's booed it, I, I really to me looking at her I think it I think it hurt her I think it hurt her a bit and let's be honest she carried this match Becky is a is a great wrestler she really is but Natty carried this match Natty made this match better than what it was and Natalia is one of the best female wrestlers on the planet she has been for years she will continue to be she has mentored a lot of these younger women on the roster and she's never really gotten a proper chance to run with her belt or even have that huge big moment, really. And this was could have been a huge moment for her to, even if it was by you know hook or crook, if if something would have happened and somebody interfered or something, to have Natty win the Raw Women's Championship in Canada would have been a big thing for not only her and but her family. I mean, it, we're literally we were one day removed from the anniversary of her father's death and last year so I mean it would have been it would have been a huge moment and I think they kind of missed it and again it hurt me to watch people boo Natalia because she is so good and it's, they were in Canada and she was just not getting the respect they deserve the match overall was fun it was a good submission match them using the aspect of not breaking during a rope if somebody got to the ropes was interesting and seemed new because I don't remember that happening in other submission matches but these two work well together Becky's great and Natalia Natalia can have a good match with a broom I mean, that's just, that's just how she is. She can work really hard. Becky went over. Becky retains. I know where they head with this because Becky's a bigger star, but I really think they missed a boat with Natalia in this. Next up, we have Dolph Ziggler taking on the returning Goldberg. Goldberg, the guy who in Saudi Arabia put on one of the worst matches in wrestling history against The Undertaker, the guy who almost killed The Undertaker, um, literally with a jackhammer that dropped him on his head. Coming back to get redemption and to sell some tickets. Let's be honest, that's what this was, to sell tickets and pay-per-views. Taking on Dolph Ziggler, who Dolph Ziggler can work, can sell. On the mic, he's been annoying. And Ziggler's always been at that cusp of being a big star. He gets his shot, and then he, he gets injured or something happens. Let's just face it, they were here to make Goldberg look good. Goldberg defeats Ziggler in three minutes and something. And then Ziggler does the dumbest thing ever. He gets on the mic and says that he's not a man. He wouldn't face him one-on-one. He knew he couldn't. Goldberg comes out, spears him again. And then he gets on the mic again and says you can't keep him down. And then he comes out and gets speared again. I don't know what this accomplished. I don't know what this was except for they're like, we got to let Goldberg look good because people remember the Taker match. And I think that's all this was, was to try to get people to forget 
about the the Undertaker match, you know, but you didn't do anything. Goldberg's not going to be there. He might wrestle another match at Mania or something when you need to pop a rating or you need to sell a pay-per-view or sell tickets. Ziggler, I understand Ziggler's been hurt and, you know, character-wise, and he's not looking as a real viable threat. But, guys, this does nothing. Like, you literally buried one of your, your talent, one of a very good talent. You buried a talent to a legend, and you wonder why you can't get stars. You wonder why you can't build stars and you say there's no big stars anymore. It's because of stuff like this. You take legends and you rely so heavily on those legends to come in to pop ratings and everything. And then those legends bury your talent because you think that that's what the fans want. You can't make a star having them bury buried to a 50-year-old retired wrestler. I, I don't care if it is Goldberg. I don't care how good a shape he's in. It doesn't look good and this really served no purpose. So I, other than that, I really have nothing else to say. Next up, we have the United States Championship match as the champion AJ Styles took on Ricochet. Ricochet and all of his Nightwing-esque glory looking and wearing a suit that looked like it was hot as hell to wear because it is full latex or leather or whatever you want to say. AJ Styles looking like AJ Styles, looking like a soccer mom. Love AJ Styles. No disrespect to him. This match wasn't as good as it could have been. I don't think they were given the time that they needed. These two have good chemistry, and they've had better matches than this on Raw. This match was okay for what it was. AJ Styles goes over on Ricochet. I, I really don't know where they're going with this. Um, AJ and the club, they put the club together. And let's just be honest, the club is only together because they want to dock and Carl Anderson to re-sign. And this is probably the only way they could get them to re-sign. I really wish they hadn't, but they did nonetheless. In six months, they won't be together, so it doesn't matter. AJ retains, and AJ's going to move on to bigger things because he's, I think he can bring more prestige back to the United States Championship, but really, I think he's above it. So we'll have to see where they go with this and see if they have any feuds that make this mean something. Because And Ricochet doesn't take a lot of damage here, but... Ricochet, they're trying to perceive him as an underdog instead of a one-of-a-kind athlete, which is he portrayed. His mic skills are a little not his mic skills are a little subpar, but but I mean he's getting better. And in the ring, I mean he's fantastic. So he he's very fun to watch, and he's he's very agile and athletic and fast, and does a lot of moves that a lot of people can't do. So Ricochet, he's going to end up being a star. I just think they need to get on him and give him a little bit more of a push than what they do. This 50-50 booking just isn't going to do him any good. Next up was the SmackDown Women's Championship match or the take a bathroom break and make a sandwich match, as a lot of people were calling it, as the champion Bailey defeated Ember Moon. Look, Bailey was one of the most over people in NXT. She is seriously one of the two most over people that's ever been in NXT. She gets brought up to the main roster, and they have flubbed her from day one. They have they have given her terrible booking. They have given her terrible storylines. The only storyline that would have made sense with her and Sasha and Sasha turning heel on her, they just they totally fucked up. I don't understand what they're doing. Ember Moon is a great worker in NXT. She had a slight run with the championship. She was more of a transitional champion. She can go. She has a different look. Both of these women deserve better than where they're being placed. And Bailey is so damaged, I, I don't know how they save her. I mean, she could have been the face of the company for them because young girls loved her, guys loved her, women loved her, men loved her. I mean, this was just, this was a no-brainer, and they have flubbed it to where she's just, her character has gotten to where it's boring, and they're making her seem kind of 
kind of like an ass recently when she should be the the positive babyface Ember Moon. Ember Moon's been made to look like a chump um, by, you know, everybody, basically. I don't know what the deal is with Ember. She has star written all over, and they're just not using her. This seems like more be bashing WWE than it is me reviewing. This match was good for what it was. For the time they were given, these two can put on a, a good match, a good match. Is it classic? No. Is it one of the matches that in 20 years... Is it one of the matches that in 20 years people are going to be like, you remember that Bailey Ember movement? They're not going to do that. But good for what it was. And I really hope that they are given time and see where they go with this because this could be a fun feud if they were given right and if the story is given. Bailey retained. Next up, we have the Kevin Owens taking on Shane McMahon, the best in the world. That is just what they've got written down. That I do not recommend that. I do not endorse that. And this match, if Kevin Owens... Loses, he will quit the WWE. Of course, Kevin Owens defeated Shane McMahon. Elias was brought in as the special guest enforcer. So there's the whole aspect of Shane McMahon trying to get Kevin Owens to get disqualified or get counted out by messing with Elias. This is such a wannabe Stone Cold Vince McMahon storyline. I love Kevin Owens. I've always liked Kevin Owens back when he was Kevin Steen. I've always been a fan of Kevin Owens. And they're trying to portray him as the blue-collar family guy, you know, speak for the people. They're trying to make him sort of like a stone-cold character. And Shane McMahon playing the Mr. McMahon villain role. It's just not clicking. It's just really, it's really not clicking. It's not having that same effect. It's not having that same role. This match, I mean, Kevin Owens did an amazing job. And Shane McMahon sells amazingly. Like, he, he I literally think it's because he's dying. Like, he's hurting. And he's just selling. But Shane McMahon's not the best worker. He's in his 50s himself, you know, he, he's older, and this is, for what it was, it wasn't bad, but it's definitely not great. Kevin Owens goes over. I really hope that they just kind of end this up because I know what they're trying to do, and they're not going to get that. This isn't going to become that Stone Cold Mr. McMahon feud. It's not going there, guys, so y'all just need to pull the plug on it before people start hating Kevin Owens for being associated in this storyline. Next up, you had a big... Um, Attraction match, which again, this was mainly to sell pay-per-views and tickets and to get somebody on the show, but it ended up being a very good match, which was Charlotte Flair taking on the legend and returning Trish Stratus. The whole story of this was Charlotte didn't have a match for SummerSlam. Trish was doing a Q&A on a WWE event, and basically she Charlotte came out saying, you know, I want to challenge you or whatever, and Trish saying, you got to, you know, to be the woman, you got to beat the woman. Charlotte saying she's a mom now. She's not the same spirit. This match was very well done. Trish has, you know, she's had one match uh, last year. and Well, excuse me, she might have, she had two. And she's done very well. She did very well in this match. She kept up with Charlotte. She hit her spot. Charlotte, Charlotte hit her spot. They told a good story of them working over legs, working a body part. This was a match that I really thought wasn't going to be as good as it was, and it turned out being... One of the best matches on the show, if not the best match. They both put in great work. Charlotte Flair is top three best uh, female wrestlers on the planet. Probably top ten best performers on the planet. She really has channeled her father's uh, instinct in the ring. Trish is Trish was one body back when I was younger. Uh, Trish was brought in because she looked good. And Trish actually worked to become you know a, a great wrestler. And she loved the business. And... 
it proved it here as she made Charlotte look like a million bucks. Charlotte gave just enough to make Trish look strong, so the win meant something. And finally, they had a legend put over a new talent as Charlotte Flair locked on the figure eight and made Trish Stratus tap out. As soon as she did that, Charlotte leaves, and Trish gets her farewell moment, I guess you can say, in Toronto, her home country. The pop was huge, and she's waving, and everybody's clapping. You know, thank you, Trish's Trish chance breakout. It, it was a great match, and this is probably the best match on the card, honestly. They, they both women worked their asses off to steal the show, and they did, so my hat's off to them. If you're going to watch one match from this show, this needs to be watched because this is the best one on the show. Next up, we have the WWE Championship match as the champion Kofi Kingston takes on Randy Orton. I have one issue with Kofi Kingston being champion. Kofi Kingston is supposed to be positivity and all that. I get it. But this match especially was supposed to be personal. All these times when he has these personal matches and this is the big opportunity, he's still throwing pancakes. He's still dumping cereal. He's still clapping. This should have been that one time where he didn't. And it's not going to hurt your character. It's not going to make people think, well, I can't believe they changed it. He just really needed to be focused here because Randy Orton was his biggest challenger to date. And Randy Orton, if you look at it, technically might be out of his class when it comes to superstar performance. The match was, wasn't was bad for what it was. Randy Orton phones it in like he always does. But even Randy Orton phoning in makes him one of the best there is. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. Randy Orton is just that damn good. Kofi Kingston puts on great performances, and it seems like the fans still like him, but he's losing a little bit of it. Like, Kofi Mania is almost running its course, and it's not going to be long before he loses his championship. That's just going to happen. I don't know who he loses it to, but it's going here. We got a double countout after Kofi attacked him for Randy for uh, on the outside. For pointing at his son or looking at his son who was at ringside with his wife and his other kids. And it was a double count out. The fans chanted bullshit. They hated the finish. This finish screamed Randy Orton wasn't going to take a pin. He, he couldn't be pinned. Maybe it's to keep the feud going. I don't know. But they could have found something better to keep it going than to have him just look like he's taunting his kids. I understand Kofi would attack someone for taunting their children. Hell, I would attack somebody if I somebody taunted my kids. But it just seemed weak the way it, it was played out, it was portrayed. And the match was doing okay up to that point. It was a fun, competitive match. And the ending just kind of killed it. And I think the fans were disappointed in it. It seemed like a WCW finish. And, guys, it, we just can't have that nowadays. Like I said, it screamed Randy Orton not wanting to take the pin against Kofi Kingston, and if that's what it was, then I, I can't condone it. Next up, we had probably the greatest entrance in a long time as Finn Balor took on the returning Bray Wyatt, The Fiend. Finn comes out dressed in all white, too cool for school. Balor, always awesome. The fans are into his entrance, but you can tell Finn's, you can tell Finn's on, he's on his way out as, you know, to take a time off. And it seemed like he was just there. He's like, okay, I'm going to get this over with. Bray Wyatt's new entrance. He has new music. He has new look as the Fiend. It was dark. It was scary. It was ominous. He's holding a lantern with an extended mouth that looks like a severed head of the old Bray Wyatt. This entrance, guys, I cannot stress to you how fucking cool this entrance was. And I don't know if it's going to stay like that, but man, they just went all out for this entrance. And it was so fucking 
creepy and cool. The new music, he has the same music, but it's a new heavy metal tone to it, a new person singing it, and it just, it looked cool. Bray wrestling in this mask has to be annoying because it's not like a normal wrestling mask to me. It's a latex, like a Halloween type mask. He's wrestling in it. Um, he has to use a lot of his body to tell the story because you can't see his facial expressions. During the match, you see times when he's kind of caught up in an emotional struggle with himself of hurting someone and not wanting to. He, he's portraying that very well. Bray Wyatt is money. This is fucking money. Listen to me, WWE. You have money with Bray Wyatt in this character. You have money. Don't do like what you did before and think that just because he can talk or because he looks cool that you can have him lose to people constantly and he'll still get over. You have a fresh start with him, which is very rare for somebody to come in with a new care with a, a new gimmick, same name, and be able to get over. This has gotten over. He is going to be a babyface. He's not going to be a heel. Not for a while. People are cheering it because it's different and it's fun. And you have money with him. Don't screw it up. He goes over Finn Balor. Not surprised to return. But the again the the entrance and the whole aspect of it is what caught everybody. The match wasn't that great. These two have decent chemistry. The match didn't go long. It wasn't a complete squash, but it was basically just a coming out for Bray. And it looked phenomenal. So just remember, you have money. Let's keep this going. The main event of the night saw the Universal Championship match as the champion Brock Lesnar took on Seth Rollins, who was still selling the rib injuries from the F5s and the chair shots and all this. They made they tried to make Seth Rollins look like he was the you know injured underdog, and there's no way he can win. I knew Seth Rollins was going to win. Spoiler alert, Seth Rollins win. The match is what it was. Uh, Brock trying to take Seth to Suplex City. Seth landing on his feet through the Germans a few times, getting his offense in. And then we go to Suplex City. We do one spot where his, as Seth Rollins' ribs are taped, Lesnar picks him up by the tape, spins him around and throws him. We get our F5s. We get our German suplexes. Brock did do a better job here. Brock does tend to do better with the smaller competitors than he does with bigger competitors. And him and Seth have chemistry. It's just we've seen this before, and honestly, it was predictable for me. I knew Seth was going to win because they played him up so much as being this injured underdog, and he can't win that you knew he was going to win. What I would have done, the way I booked this, is I would have had Seth get beat. I would have had him lose. As Lesnar is celebrating in the ring, lights flicker, they go out. When they come to, we have Bray Wyatt's character, The Fiend, holding the mandible claw on Brock Lesnar on the ground. Have him do that. Why would you do that? You just created a money feud. You just created the next challenger for Brock. And you just created the next huge superstar. You just, you, seriously, you just made a babyface superstar by having The Fiend take down The Beast. Then you market The Beast versus The Fiend, put the title on Bray, and go from there. But no, they didn't do that. They went with Seth Rollins. I don't know where they go from here. The Seth Rollins character has gotten stale to me. And it's nothing against Seth. He is so micromanaged and overproduced. It's I think they kind of took the Roman aspect and put it on Bray. Or, excuse me, put it on Seth Rollins. To where his 
every one of his promos don't sound like Seth saying them. They sound like a writer or Vince McMahon, especially writing his promo of what a quote unquote babyface should say, and it it doesn't work for me. It it comes off so just non genuine that it, it makes me tune out. We've seen Seth Rollins be genuine on his twenty four sevens on you know these three sixty fives. These look these documentaries they do on the WWE Network. We see how Seth Rollins is. We see his character, how he talks, and none of these promos are him. And I just he's so good in the ring, and I think he could be a huge star for them if they. I mean, he's one of their biggest stars now, but he could be even bigger if they just stop micromanaging him and overproducing him so much because it turns a lot of fans off. Because we know that that's not Seth Rollins. We know that's not him talking. We know that that's the WWE talking for him. And you're hurting Seth more than you're helping Seth. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. But me as a wrestling fan, that's the way it is. Don't overproduce him and he could be another huge star for you. Bigger than what he already is. Because his in-ring ability is amazing. And he has the charisma. He has an it factor. He just, you've got to let Seth be Seth. That That's pretty much all I can say, guys. And I, I hope they look... We'll see where they go from here, but Seth Rollins Universal Champion really just, it's not blowing my skirt up at the moment, but maybe that can change in the next few weeks, hopefully. So that's going to be it, guys. Thank you for listening to my review or my complaining of SummerSlam, guys. I just, the show was mediocre at best. The Fiend was the best part of it. The Trish Stratus Charlotte Flair match was the best match on the card. Those are probably the two best things to watch out for this match or this card in general thank you all for listening uh follow me on twitter at nerdpool pod follow me on instagram at nerdpool podcast i'm on twitch at nerdpool gaming you guys have been amazing you guys are awesome so until next time that's wipe that smark off your face and that's nerdpool see ya Oh, yeah.